Welcome to episode 5 of Irish Startup Nation. Featured today is the co-founder of Cork-based startup, taking the sports media space by storm. The company Pundit Arena has won several awards, taking them as far afield as Israel, as well as participating in the Access Silicon Valley program and Google's very own Adopt-A-Startup program. Our special guest fills us in on his startup story and shares the nine steps that helped them grow to over 1 million monthly users in less than their two years of existence. Remember that everything we speak about today is available in the show notes over at irishstartupnation.com. So with that, join me in welcoming Richard Barrett, co-founder and director of Pundit Arena. All right, Richard, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on from Pundit Arena. I think for all our listeners out there, we're eager to hear a bit more. So could you give us your, your 60-second elevator pitch just to give us a background? Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. So um, Pundit Arena is a sports media website that empowers fans to become paid journalists. So what we do is we take the articulate knowledge of fans and passionate fans, and then we curate it, amplify it, and then monetize it more importantly. So if you're really passionate about sports, and you want to write about sports, so we can provide you with the tools and the avenues to earn money for it. So what we do is essentially crowdsource quality fan content. Mm-hmm. Pretty captivating. So for all our listeners out there, make sure you pay attention because not only are we going to hear about Richard's founder story, but there's also, I guess, some information in here. If you're an avid sports writer, you can take advantage of their platform, Pundit Arena. So Pundit Arena is a graduate um, of the Ignite program at UCC also, and I know we've heard about this a little bit from Jane back in episode three, but do you want to tell us how did you get started and how did you find yourself in the Ignite program nurturing this new startup? I guess back in 2013 was when we came through the Ignite program. So for myself, I'm a qualified teacher at Sports Studies of PE in UCC for four years, and I launched a site called sport is everything but I, I play a lot of sports and I injured my foot I broke one foot mm-hmm. then I broke the other foot at the same time <laughs> so uh, I wasn't very mobile so I had a lot of spare time just decided to set myself a roster get up at 9 to 5 learn how to build a website built a website called it uh, sportiseverything.com and used that to get myself onto the Ignite program Ignite then was where I met Ross so Ross O'Dwyer is my co-founder two of us came onto the Accelerator program with very similar ideas uh-huh. And we just decided after about two weeks to, to merge and build Pundit Arena because I suppose time, effort, money, it just it wouldn't have made sense for us to be doing the same thing in opposite sides of the room, you know, it could have caused friction. Yeah. So I guess the two of us quickly realized the best thing to do was to join together and that's when we launched Pundit Arena then in November 2013. Yeah, it's a pretty cool story. So the, the, the injuries were what gave you the free time and the motivation to get things up and running. Yeah, yeah. So with Ignite, um, I think we've heard just a small bit of a background. What did it do for you guys? You came in with an idea, but you found a team pretty quickly, someone with a similar idea. What else were you able to get from Ignite over the course of those nine months? I think it offers a lot like to, to everyone. Um, I suppose everyone's weak in certain areas, and there's definitely areas where I was very weak in. And Ignite just, I suppose, provided mentoring and not so much in a teaching way, but Eamon Curtin, who runs it, was very good to us. And he'd sit down with me and go through financial projections for five hours, six hours in a row, just really nail into me so I knew the difference between my cash flows, my profit and loss and things like mm-hmm. that. So and from that side of Ignite, it helps to mold you into a, a more well-rounded businessman, I think, rather than just some guy just out of college. Mm-hmm. But for me, uh, it also allowed me to meet Ross, I guess, and I wouldn't be here if we didn't meet each other and merge. 
just from day one, I suppose, we really kind of connected and were able to build something. Two of us have the same ambition to build Pundit Arena, and no matter what we're doing, I guess, we just maintain that focus, and that's what's been great from day one. So in, in terms of that alone, I, I probably owe Ignite for everything. Yeah. And were you guys exposed to different events? I know Jane said she had a couple of events that they exposed her to. What was your experience in that regard? Yeah, it's, uh, I think the network, the vast network that uh, Ignite can offer, like there's, it's getting bigger every year, so the alumni is growing as well. It gave us access to, I suppose, the Web Summit gave us access to everything. We were lucky. We won a few awards. We won Business of the Year, and that propelled us into winning other awards. And then, I suppose, that got us to Israel in terms of work because we won an award. And then it also was a, a stepping stone to getting us to Silicon Valley and all that. Mm-hmm. Just uh, I honestly couldn't speak more highly of uh, Eamon Carton or Ignite. And I think Jane would probably say the same thing. It's in Cork, too. There's a lot of them in Dublin and stuff. But it's a little bit easier to find your feet in Cork starting off and, I suppose, beat the drum a bit more when you're down there. And then make the step to Dublin, which we've done, you know. In that regard, I, I definitely think Cork is a great spot and Ignite is a, an asset to the Cork startup community. Yeah, definitely. And I think you raised a great point there. I think for kind of budding entrepreneurs, people that are new to the game, it's easy to try and go straight to Dublin or even to go abroad as soon as possible. But I think the, the amount of resources that are available in Cork are pretty amazing, and especially the, the program at Ignite. Yeah, there's some great companies there. Like you have uh, Xanadu or completely and matchbook like they're completely under the radar but they have a massive team a massive tech team you've teamwork obviously there's trust dev there's just a number of great companies down in cork that are doing really really good stuff mm-hmm. we'll make sure to highlight a bunch of the the up-and-coming companies in our show notes so make sure to check that out after the show so let's dig a bit deeper into the business model and the, the product that you're actually commercializing here pundit arena i mean what was the need for this platform it's just uh, the way digital media is changing massively. I mean, every, every second person going down the street has a blog now, and whereas a couple of years back that just didn't happen. So we wanted to make it as easy as possible for people to get their voice online. Mm-hmm. So what we did was basically we, we just took away and alleviated the stress and stuff that comes with building your own website or building your own audience or trying to get a following and things like that. So what we've done is we've just created a platform that makes it as easy as possible for you to access an audience because... Even if you build a website and you, you write your articles and things like that, you're not necessarily going to be heard. We have access to 1.1 million people, 1.2 million people per month. So I guess that's where the need is. People want to write, but people just don't know how to get themselves in front of a mass audience. And luckily, we can provide that. Yeah, that's huge. So you said over you know, 1.2 million visitors every month. I mean, for an avid sports writer, creating something from scratch would take them many years and even in terms of feasibility it's probably not even feasible for one person and one style of writing to get that much following so you're really offering the network to kind of get their content exposed to more readers and therein lies the key to your platform as well because you have some sort of novel profit sharing type business model could you go into that a little bit more it relies heavily on the size of the network yeah yeah so um we generate revenue through advertising and brand partnerships and then also through content syndication so content syndication is just us selling the content to, we'll say, older media brands or media brands that have a need for content because their overheads are so high and the revenues are dropping. If you look at the newspapers, we'll say it's down constantly, constantly down. So what we can do is provide cost-effective content to them. So we sell to a, a number of different um, papers in Ireland, like locally we'd sell to the Evening Echo. Mm-hmm. To RTE, we, give the, we provide them with sports, um, news talk, we provide them with business and sport coverage and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's one side of it. But the profit sharing then is the money we generate from advertising, we share that with our writers. So we've created this thing called the hit list. 
and the hit list is a live league table. It's custom coded. What it does is it ranks the riders. Riders accumulate points from the first of the month till the end of the month, and it's based off social shares and views. Mm. Basically, if you're a really um, avid sports writer, you're going to be a competitive guy. So what we do then is we allow you to earn points for your work, so it's totally performance-based. And then you must try and get to the top of that league table. So then your payment is staggered, so it's based off the top five or top ten, depending on the sport. So if we set aside X amount of cash at the start of the month, no matter if we have 2,000 riders, our overheads remain at, at whatever money we've set aside. So it's just about rewarding guys in performance, because we saw out there that a lot of guys were... Um, I suppose being paid off their reputation and not their output. So yeah. we've done this kind of flip that on their head. It doesn't matter if you're Jerry Thornley, it doesn't matter if you're John from down the road. If you're putting out high quality content, then you'll be rewarded for it. If you're not putting out high quality content, then conversely, you're not going to earn any money. But that's just the way our model has gone. And that's, I suppose, taking twists and turns on the way. It's been live now for about two or three months, that one, and we're, we're putting some cash behind it on the 1st of November. Whereas previously, what we would have done was um, given the writers a percentage of the earnings from each article. But we found that the hit list was probably better. We have a community manager and he polled all our writers. So we have about 200 writers and there was two things that really um, came to the fore of, of what they wanted. And it was a social standing or slash ego thing where they want to show that they're better than everyone else. And they also wanted cash. So then we sat down and we created this league table, the hit list. And that just kind of encapsulates both things. So guys can finish first and get paid or they can say, look, I'm, I'm the 10th best rugby writer on Pundit Arena. And I'm going for that top spot this month, you know. So that's pretty cool how you've changed the traditional model rather than having a big staff of writers to create the content and create meaningful content that people actually want to click through. You're outsourcing that to the public. Anyone who fancies themselves as a writer after the quick approval process can begin to publish their own articles. And from there, as you said, it's totally based on performance, removing this whole idea of reputation. So it opens up the idea of sports journalism to everyone. I guess you could look at similar models like you don't have to be a taxi driver to drive an Uber. You can just log in, pass their quick tests, and then you're earning straight away. So similarly, if you fancy yourself to write a, a captivating article, you can earn money for it through Pundit Arena. So you've taken away the need for these content creators to build up their own audience, to maintain a website, to look after digital marketing so they can concentrate on what they do best, which is writing and creating great content. With that in mind, um, do you have an example like for our listeners out there that might be interested in becoming a writer? Let's say I write a handful of articles, a couple of them start to get a lot of hits, I perform in the top five. What can I expect to, to earn in a month? Like, this is, is this something that can get me through college? Is it something that can replace a full-time job? Yeah, so at the moment I doubt it could replace a full-time job, but we'll say for November now we're putting the cash behind it. The top writer could probably earn €500 Euro for the month which isn't a whole lot of money, but it is a lot of guys mm -hmm. that come under our demographics, which would be college guys, 18 to 24-year-olds. Basically, 500 euro to them for writing about sports is a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And for us, it's, it's probably like we, we can't afford to pay thousands and thousands at the moment at our present because mm -hmm. it's, it's not sustainable for us. So as we grow, we'll continue to increase the money that's going into the writer's pot. I think that's important. And the thing about Pundarina is everyone knows that like, we're, we're growing together, so they see us putting more money in month on month on month and, and they'll come and they'll understand that, you know, come with us, we'll grow together and you'll earn more money and that's it. Like when we earn, you earn, that's, that's kind of a saying we have. 
Exactly. Yeah, that is fantastic. And from the consumer perspective as well, it creates this this interesting media platform because now you're not relying on a small number of well-known journalists at the creation side, but you have this open network where anyone can write an article and you can begin to find sort of unique writing styles and different writers that you never would have found otherwise. I think you had told me on a previous call that you can like follow your favorite journalists. So could you tell us maybe a little bit more about that and the vision you have for it? Yeah, so we're just um, closing an investment round. Hopefully we closed on Friday. And the main thing for us is that we need hires and we're, we're going to hire some more, but we need a technical rebuild of the site because it was a good starting point where the site is now and it got us to that million users. But mm-hmm. for us to get to the next level and hit those two million or the five million, which is our big, big vision, mm-hmm. we need to have something that's um, a lot better than what we currently have. So we're working with a couple of tech guys at the moment and we're redeveloping the whole site. So what we'll do is you'll have the ability to follow each writer and you'll get push notifications to say, like, John has just published an article. So if you're a fan of John's work, then you'll see it. You'll also, when you log into the site, you won't see the sports that you don't care about. So if you're a really avid rugby fan or, let's say, a, a football fan, you'll only see rugby and football. You won't see boxing. You won't see golf. So it's all about making it as personalized as possible. Mm-hmm. With regards to infrastructure, the site is very, very sound, but it's just aesthetics and user experience and things like that. You just need to add a bit more features and functions and just, I suppose, repay the writers and give them a better, better tool so they can provide better content so we can build a bigger audience and it all builds into that. So, yeah, it's all about creating, you know, relevant content, give people what they want when they want it and just kind of filter out the noise. In terms of a, a quick storyline or brief history of the company, I know you've given us a few dates. Could you give us a, a very quick overview when you thought of the idea, when you got your first product together and what were some of the key milestones along the way to get to where you are now? Yeah, so uh, we launched the site back in November 2013, but company was formed on October 24th, which is mm-hmm. Saturday, okay. two years. So that's our two-year birthday. Um, when we started the site, I suppose a lot of people always fall into the trap of analysis paralysis, where you're overanalyzing everything and you don't get your product to market. Uh-huh. And I, I guess probably naively we fell into that for a couple of weeks, but we just snapped out of it and decided, look, let's get the minimum viable product out there. We'll learn more in two weeks of having a product out there than you would in two years of reading books, you know. So we just literally got it out there, launched Pundit Arena, and I look back at the screenshots there now of, of what it used to be, and it looked terrible. Like, I mean, the user experience must have been terrible, and it had very, very limited functionality, but we were able to test the market. So pe- they always say people will never tell you your baby's ugly. So mm-hmm. people were telling us they use, they'd use Pundit Arena and they like it, but we weren't sure if they actually would. So we needed to get it to market, and we saw that people did actually want to write, people did want to be published, and people did like the brand. So... That was one of the key milestones for us, was getting that minimum viable product out there. Yeah. And that's just continued to develop, and it's something, I just spoke about the functionality of the site, but you know, that's still coming from the skeleton of our old site. Like We're still continuously building that, building that, building that. I have some screenshots in front of me of what the site looked like before, and it's good to see that it's developing the right way. You know. Uh-huh. That brings up a good point that we spoke about with Finn Pegler in an earlier episode is just, you know, get it out there in front of your customers as quickly as possible because the amount of feedback that will flood in is incredible and allow you to iterate and fine tune your idea so much quicker than you would if you locked yourself in a room with a bunch of other team members to try and create this ideal product, consistently delaying the launch. There's a lot to be said for just getting it out there in front of people quickly. Yeah, you, you learn more straight away. Mm-hmm. That, that was massive for us. We were able to analyze exactly who was reading our content, 
mm-hmm. if they were reading it. Like we'd only 324 users the first month, but we learned so much, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think that's important to get across to people. They do. People when they start off businesses, they they tend to do a lot of market research and things like that, and use a lot of. I wouldn't say use actually. I'd probably say waste a lot of time just wondering what if or assuming and things like that. But assumptions will get you nowhere. You just need to get the product out there to market and then just analyze and then iterate from there, as you said yourself. Yeah. I think yeah. That's one, and that's where we learned a lot in the, in the early days of Pundit Arena. And what were some of the biggest barriers as you guys began to build this platform and try to build a following? What were some of the key challenges that you faced at Pundit Arena? There's been a, there's been a lot, and no doubt there'll be many more to come, but probably in terms of users, like uh, our first month we put blood, sweat and tears into it, really, really focused on the content, mm-hmm. built the site, tried to tell everyone about it. But then at the end of the month, there was only 324 people used it. I mean, that's, that's less than one cent's advertising revenue. Okay. So, so for us, that was a massive, massive uh, thing. We soon realized that it was distribution was important. Uh-huh. There's nine steps that we have of how we grew. So the biggest challenge was getting people on the platform. So how we grew from 324 to 1.1 and what would be 1.2 million this month. It's just that some of the things you've mentioned already, like the minimum viable product, it was just about getting that out there, uh-huh. avoiding analysis paralysis. It was just a quicker learning process for us. And then I suppose it was really getting to know our content. Our contents. Some publishers use quantities, so loads and loads of articles. Uh-huh. Some just use very limited amount of articles with high quality. Whereas we needed to merge those and, and put out better products, provide more, more product and provide better product. I think the more we understood our product and we got everyone on the team to understand who we were, what our goals were, I think that helped to get people on board as well because we were all projecting the same image. In, in terms of user growth, I remember like, we had a, a meeting in the office, must have been about three hours, and I mean, everyone was sweating, everyone was furious with each other, what yeah. direction we taking and things like that. But you know, we, we needed that, and the site grew from there because everybody was growing in the same direction, whereas previously they wouldn't have been. Yeah, a key challenge for you, for your business model to work, as you said, because you're relying on ad revenue, you needed the traffic to be coming from the, the consumer side. You needed people reading the articles. You needed people visiting Pundit Arena. So you're going to frame this in nine steps. As you said, the first one was you know getting that minimum viable product up there as soon as possible. And yeah. then moving on to mixing quantity and quality because they're distinct different strategies that you wanted to blend and kind of get quality articles up there to to get the get the right people through the doors what else is uh, on your list of nine steps to getting you to 1.2 million users uh the, the third thing was just the increased distribution so i suppose one example i always use is if if the irish times had the best content in ireland and they only distributed it to we'll say 10 people in a room mm-hmm. That's a, a ceiling of 10 people that are going to read your content. Half of them probably won't like your content. Half of them will skim through it, and the other two you might get retention. So for us, we needed to be vicious. We needed to attack on all fronts and increase our distribution everywhere. So that was through social we needed to attack. We needed direct search engine optimization, and we needed to team with news aggregators. So mm-hmm. like we're on a adopt a startup with Google. So they've selected us as uh, one of 30 startups across Europe. So what we're doing now is they have three guys helping us on how to increase our traffic. That was a key learning thing for us was you can have the best content in the world, but if you have terrible distribution, then it's worthless. Mm-hmm. So for us, we just needed to attack all of those social direct SEO, news aggregators, and referrals. And that really helped us to get more people on site. I mean, one, one of the biggest things for us is we do a lot of work with Facebook, and, and they've verified us with the blue tick. For us, I suppose it just legitimizes the brand. So increasing distribution is a tough nut to crack because there's, there's so many ways you can push the content. I guess in a nutshell, how did you handle this? Like, is there a way you can condense your strategy there for us? 
Um, I guess it was just building a team, really, and um, we, we just threw everything at social and just see what way it would work. And you know, some things didn't work at all. It was very slow at the start, but for us, we're about seventy or eighty percent of our traffic is social at the moment. We, we just needed to get a key team of what people expected Pundit Arena to be. Mm-hmm. Us putting up funny videos and stuff was probably wrong at the start, but I guess once we stuck to our core values and made it like a site for intelligent sports fans, if mm-hmm. as condescending as that sounds, but I suppose once we, we nailed down what our audience wanted, that was how we really started to grow. Like for, At the end, social media is just a vehicle for us to distribute our content, and that's the way we see it. Mm-hmm. So we have to ensure that everything that goes up there has at least the potential to do very well, you know. And we, we do a lot of testing with different headlines and things like that. So it's the BuzzFeed model. We could put up a headline and target it to a certain demographic. Yeah. If that headline isn't working, we can target the same article to a similar demographic. And whichever headline works better, we'll push that one out to everyone then, you know. Mm-hmm. It was just about, I suppose, working smarter uh, and not working harder. We just needed to understand social more than just getting likes and comments, you know. Mm-hmm. We needed to really get in bed with Facebook and see how best we could utilize their tools and how they could help us to get more people reading Pundering the content. Yeah, so that's step number three, increasing distribution. What else? What's next, number four? Yeah, the fourth is uh, strategic partnerships. Mm-hmm. Like it's, um, it's important to leverage the strength of other brands. I mean, we're still a tiny brand, but we're, we're in partnerships with the news talks, the RTEs, uh-huh. Google, Facebook, and things like that. I mean, it brings credibility to our own brand. And, like, these are massive, massive companies that love startups as well. Yeah. You know, every, everybody seems to love startups. So the more you can get, the more value you can get from, from them, the, the better. And we, that's what we've really, really found. Like we owe a lot to, I suppose, the tech hub in, in Dublin and, and in Cork and all these big companies because they've really helped us out. I mean, the, the RTE thing is great for us. You know, we, One of our pundits is on live TV on RTE on a Thursday. So that's just mm-hmm. great for us. Yeah, and it builds on your previous point, just on the you know increasing distribution rather than creating these channels. You just partner with someone who already has That's it. the customer base. With News Talk, like News Talk had a need for business of sport content, mm-hmm. so we just provided it to them. I mean, bigger brands, you need to offer them something as well. You know, you find out what their pain is and how you can solve that or give them some sort of game. So we were able to provide business of sport content to News Talk, and we're live on News Talk then. So it's hitting a certain demographic, you know. Yeah, certainly. Like that's the business breakfast show on things. So a lot of investors, a lot of business guys would read that content and we're just leveraging News Talk's audience to help promote Pundit Arena. But we're also helping News Talk along the way, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just about partnerships and leveraging the strength of other brands. Yeah, and it shows the value that you can provide to those because they've obviously seen a gap in their content and the, the media that they're pushing out. So they need to fill the gap and you offer a perfect way to fill that gap because you have this sort of open source network of writers that you can you can almost put a request out saying we want stuff on this topic and then yeah. you know you'll get people competing for that because they're motivated by the financial um, rewards that you're offering so at this juncture you have an mvp up you're mixing quality and quantity establishing these distribution channels and making strategic partners what's next um i think when we started off one of them is it's just the title is educating writers but so when, when we started off i guess we felt that people should be proud to use our product, whereas that was wrong. Like, without our writers, we would be nothing. So the writers are more important than us. When we started off, we were like, oh, this should be a badge of honor. You're writing up under it. But no, we needed to work with our writers and educate them and then ensure that we retained them because churn can, churn can be an issue as well. Mm-hmm. The main point there is that we needed the writers to feel like Pundit Arena was theirs too. We needed to bring them along. 
we have a community manager and the community manager's job is basically to be the middleman between Pundit Arena and our riders so that they can tell him if they think something is terrible, if there's something wrong, so they're not, like, you know, they wouldn't go to me or Ross, they go through Sean and there's a very direct communication, open channel there and I think that's important because like, we have this hive of riders who are all intelligent guys and can offer so much more value, so the more we work with them, educate them as well by giving them grammar and pundits gospel and things like that, mm-hmm. then the more we'll retain them and the stronger pundit arena will be. So you, you're creating community both on the consumer side and the creator side, as well as getting people in to read the articles. You've got to really make those writers feel at home, give them all the, all the tools necessary to make their experiences as fluid as possible and really to keep them engaged. So great point there. And you, you mentioned briefly your team, and I think that moves on yeah. to our next point. How did you go about building a team? What were, what were some of the key positions you filled as he began to grow? Um, I was, it was mainly content and editorial guys, so uh-huh. everyone that's worked for us worked for us for free at the start or for a few weeks or whatever because they believed us, they bought into the vision that we were going to get the cash, we were going to be able to hire them. I think that's really, really important. Like These guys showed their commitment to Pundit Arena. They weren't being paid, yet they were still coming in working for us in the belief that you know, we, we could build something here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really important. Like You're only as strong as your weakest link. You need to build a team, sell them the vision, and everyone needs to be going in the same direction. It's a very Israeli way of looking at things. We were over in Tel Aviv last year, and I mm-hmm. suppose it had an influence on us, the tech ecosystem over there. In Israel, there's no, like, not so much insubordination, there's, just, there's no barriers. If you're the first person in the door, it doesn't matter if you're the last person in the door, mm-hmm. or if you're my boss. I can tell you if you're doing something wrong or if something's bad. It doesn't matter what position, what level you are in the company. There's clear channels, so we try to build that with our team. So everyone is autonomous, everyone has accountability for something, everyone believes in the right thing. Mm -hmm. So for us, if if one of the lads, even one of the newest lads working for us, if he thinks we're doing something wrong, he has no problem telling me or Ross or John, who's managing our content team, no. That's really important because there's no room for egos because they'll only poison it. Mm -hmm, Exactly, and I think it's a great cultural change that startups are bringing to Ireland. Yeah, it's, it's important. Um, I mean, there's, there's countless amount of people working in jobs in, in Dublin that are unhappy and they can't do anything about it. Like, so I suppose we just want to make sure that our lads are happy in the office and that they're doing what they love. Because mm-hmm. essentially, if, if people weren't happy coming into the office, then Pundit Arena would probably crumble, you know? Yeah. So after you build your strong team, you're giving the writers everything they need to develop the content for your platform. What's next? What else helped you on your way? Yeah, so um, we didn't understand our users. We thought we understood our users, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. We, we needed to really, really find out where their shoes, who are our users. So we created two customer personas. Mm-hmm. I think the, the point is just analyze your users as much as you can. So we need to make our brand human. We needed to personalize it. We created two guides. One is Matt and one is Philip. Mm-hmm. And Matt is your stereotypical college guy. He could be doing commerce, could be doing a journalism degree. He just wants to write because he wants to build up his portfolio. He also wants to earn a bit of cash. He's in college and he's just trying to build his own brand, build his name. And that's Matt. Whereas Philip then is of the older class, so he's in his 30s. He's working in London in finance. Mm-hmm. He always, want, always wanted to be a sports journalist, but just didn't really um, have the balls to just, to just leave his job. Didn't want to take the risk. Mm-hmm. So Philip doesn't write for us for money. Philip writes for us because of the social standing to get to the top of that lead table. And uh, they're two customer personas. The more we had the whole team thinking about who they were, the more we understood what content to provide them or how to acquire these writers. So like we're doing a roadshow at the moment going around to all the colleges, giving talks about our journey 
and just trying to acquire more riders as well and they're the match of the world yeah. and then Philip were trying to attack those in social and things like that and just different events so there are strategies for building our user base our community and, and our riders there's some great stuff in there like as you began to get all these users I imagine the you know the data must have been overwhelming and to give yourselves focus you've been able to create these you know ideal customers or avatars I mean what does the ideal user look like it helps to give your team focus helps you to build a strategy around how you reach them and definitely helps helps to keep you on course in terms of your vision because they're also the people you want to attract rather than attracting people that don't suit your specific avatar because they don't fit the vision of the company yeah so what's next yeah, so step eight, and it's probably controversial, but not really controversial, but if you talk to startups, uh-huh. um, some people will say that there's too much focus put on awards, mm-hmm. and that people waste their time because they get fixated on these awards when they should be building the business, and your egos and your vision becomes distorted because you're focused on awards. But for us, we wanted awards purely because it gave us valuable free PR. Mm-hmm. We've never ever paid for PR, yet we've probably been in every newspaper in Ireland or things like that, mm-hmm. just purely because of awards. In terms of the team, it increases the self-belief, it increases team morale, and I suppose it just gives us justification for our work and proves to us that we're doing something well. But just for building our users, people started to take us a lot more seriously. Mm-hmm. So there was one 24-hour period where um, we won Ignite Business of the Year, and we went out and celebrated and enjoyed it. But the next morning, we, we had to be in Dublin for another pitch. That pitch, we actually won an award up there as well, and we ended up getting to Israel. Without the awards, we wouldn't have gotten to Israel and we wouldn't have struck up a partnership with a guy over in Google in Tel Aviv when now we're in Google in, in Dublin. You know? so yeah, exactly. I think it's important that the, the awards, once you just remain focused on what your business is and what you have to do, but still go for awards, that's important. Like the reason we wanted awards was pure and simple. We wanted PR and it worked because it got us in the papers or it got us in front of potential investors. We raised an angel round. You know? Guys started to know the brand and mm-hmm. we're a media brand, so the more we can be in the media, the better. It was funny because some of our competitors in terms of the sports space had to publish us, you know, say what we were. And there was, it was self-cannibalization. Yeah. In essence, you know, but it was great for us. We were in a media competitor's um, paper, you know. Mm-hmm. It also provides cash as well, awards. And I think that was really important for us. One moment that sticks out in my mind was uh, we entered Ireland's Best Young Entrepreneur. And we won Cork Startup of the Year. And then I won uh, So Cork Entrepreneur of the Year. So that gave me 20,000 euro for the business. So there was a guy there, Rob, who works with us. And uh, Rob had been working with us for about, I'd say nearly two months at that stage, unpaid, just purely because we told him, look, we will get the cash, we will get the cash. And that 20 grand went straight to hiring him, you know. Uh-huh. So without awards, like, we wouldn't have built the team that we have now. We're up to 10 people now, and uh, Rob's been our first hire, and that night Rob will stand out as like a key milestone, you know. Yeah, I think it's a pivotal part of growing, just exposing yourself to the audiences that they already have. So it's definitely something that budding entrepreneurs back in Cork and Ireland should start scoping out all the resources and all the contests that are going on in the area. I think Startup Weekend is a great example of one that they have there in Cork every year. Yeah. A two-day-long boot camp in bringing there's, your there's idea. A, there's a student Startup Weekend as well. We're, we're mentors at that, so um, that's another really, really good event and initiative. And It's up in UCC. Mm-hmm. So we just go in and I suppose just tell the students, you know, what, what we've learned in the last couple of years. And I think that's a good starting point for anyone looking to get into entrepreneurship to try out these startup weekends yeah. and then 
the only problem is you get the bug and you probably want to leave your job straight away, you know, but <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. to a lot of people. And the good thing about those startup weekends is you don't have to bring an idea to the table. All the participants will pitch their ideas and then they'll create teams for the weekend around the, the most popular ideas. So even if you're considering something entrepreneurial and you don't quite have an idea to bring to the table, you can definitely go along to one of those events and you know get immersed in some exciting new prospects without bringing something of your own. Yeah, yeah, they're a fantastic initiative. It's a way for people to take the risk and see whether it's worth it or not. And it's, it's only one weekend of your life, you know. So mm-hmm. even if you're not that interested in entrepreneurship, it's still, it's still something that I'd advise people to try because, you know, you, you match up your skills with people who have other skills. And that's, I think you can apply that to any, any walk, in any part of life, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what we found with the building our team. You just got to get skills that I suppose we're lacking and fill those gaps. Exactly. So step nine of your nine step journey to a million users what have you got for us the last step is just have a clear vision i spoke about that meeting earlier where we were all killing each other because some of us were going left some were going right some was going up and down you know it was just all different directions but yeah we needed to if you imagine pundit arena as a train that you need to all be going on the, on the same track and uh once we got across or what our clear vision was our user growth exploded as well it was obviously a combination of the eight preceding things also but fact that everybody had in their mind that we will hit one million users it's, it's not a case of will we or won't we it was when we'll hit it you know mm-hmm. so i think everyone believed we would get to the million and that was the vision we were constantly pushing out to everyone we'll get to a million we'll get to a million we'll get to a million mm-hmm. the main point is just ensure that you have this clear vision so that everyone knows no matter what they're doing is it helping us get closer to that goal is it helping the train get to its destination yeah. you know so so for us our, our, our vision is two it's become the biggest user-generated content platform in the world by harnessing the passionate knowledge of sports fans. That's it in a sentence. Mm-hmm. And then the more tangible is that we want to hit 5 million users. We will hit 5 million users. And that's further down the line, but everyone knows that that's the main target we really, really, really want to hit. So we're, we're going for the 2 million now, but in the background, everyone knows that 2 million is just a, would say, a stop on the journey to 5 million because that's what we're going to hit. When we hit, five, when we hit 5 million, like you'd be a, a big player then in, in terms of sports because we're still small, you know. Exactly. So, yeah, clear vision is often something that's difficult to pull together, especially as your team starts to grow. People have different ideas. I mean, keeping the train on the tracks is one of the most important things to make sure everyone's fighting for the same cause. A fantastic point there. So, that's Pundit Arena. Thanks for taking us into the weeds and telling us how you brought it right up to, you know, the big user base that it has today. In terms of Pundit Arena, you have sort of a few key dates coming up. So what's in the pipeline in the coming weeks? Yeah, so um, we are just closing a round, finally, thankfully. Uh-huh. Congrats. Uh, investment round. Well, it's, it's not fully cashed yet, so I'll take the congrats at the end of the week, but hopefully it will be done this Friday. These things seem to drag on. So for us, it's just important that we can get this closed and then start focusing on building the business again because mm-hmm. raising investment takes it out of you, you know, and... Uh, it's tough to build a business and raise investment. You know, we've been fully committed to raising investment, but luckily the team is there to continue building the business. But once this is closed, we can all start working together and really bring Pundit Arena to that five million. What's important for us is that we got to a million with, with hardly any cash. You know, we've done done a lot with a little, so now we just want to prove to guys, you know, give us the cash and, and we'll, we'll make something really, really special. So we're, we're making some key hires. That's probably one of the biggest things. Doing a lot of interviews and stuff at the moment. Anybody you know that might be interested in working with us as a, a sales guy or even getting involved in content creation or even a lead engineer, that's the three main areas that we're, um, we're trying to hire. 
-hmm. Also, then we are back in Silicon Valley on the first week of December as well, so we have some follow-up meetings there. and That's great for us because I suppose it makes you realize how small Ireland really is and how, how much more work we have left to do, you know, because it's, 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 as I said, it's, Ireland is a great place to start a business, but you can hit a ceiling. And um, when you go over to America, it just makes you realize again that maybe my optics were slightly skewed, we're a lot smaller than, than we think we are, you know. Um, then I suppose the, the web summit will be big for us, a few meetings built up around that. Um, we're also running our own sports and tech event on November 4th, mm -hmm. and that's on in Cafe and Sen in Dublin. So we just have some really, really good um, top-level analytical guys with um, the CEO of Matchbook and Xanadu, Mark Brosnan, with Paul Periotti from uh, Accenture Digital, and they do all the, the Six Nations rugby um, analytics, so it should be really, really interesting. Yeah. So they're just some of the key speakers. For us, I suppose, the main thing is just to hit the next million and then get closer and closer to that five million. And the way to do that is just by building the team and keep keep using or replicating the nine steps that we just went through. Yeah. Um, and I did see a Pundit Arena podcast up there on your on your website. Is there some new strategy emerging there for you guys? Are you moving into the space of audio? We want to provide sports fans on one side with the best content out there. And I mean, if guys want to go and create a podcast, we'll publish it. You know, it's, it's the same as any piece of content. We're trying to attack on all fronts and we need to be on audio, we're on the radio, we're on TV, we need to be in written content. We're also looking at uh, not just bringing on writers, it's bringing on blogs. So mm -hmm. if a team of writers, if a team of writers want to join together and then push their content out or create their own name on Pundit Arena, their own mini brand on Pundit Arena, then all they have to do is sign up together, submit the content and we'll worry about the monetization, we'll worry about the audience, you know. you just got to create good content. So if that content is a uh, a podcast about rugby, if it's a podcast about GA, or if it's just a written piece of content about MMA or boxing, it doesn't matter because we, we just want to give sports fans what they really want. So that's how it's developing. Cool. So that wraps up our focus on Pundit Arena. Now we're going to move on to the, the quick fire round just to wrap things up here. Just a few questions we have for our interviewees. So as you build your startup and began growing this network, you were both building a business and looking for investment. You probably have a ton of useful applications that you use. What's been the most influential, maybe something our listeners haven't heard of already? Throw it out there. It's this thing called Google. I don't know if you've heard of it. <laughs> now, we use uh, all the, the Google suite of products, but yeah. in terms of uh, docs and sheets and Gmail and all that, but we're starting to move on to Google Chat now. So we use Teamwork for a while, and we've used Slack for a while as well. Mm -hmm. They're two good products. I really like Teamwork. It's really good. But it's important that our staff can use it too. You know, um, it's, it's just about trying to find out what works best for us. Mm -hmm. so. But when you're talking about Google here, for our listeners, I think um, what you mean is like the Google... Suite of business apps like Google Docs, yeah. Google Forms. I mean, so it's not the search engine, yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, it's Google Chat. We're starting to use that now as well. Google Hangouts, and you know, it, I suppose it's just bringing together a whole suite of products. We're all on the same network, and that's really helped us. Yeah, exactly. It's a big help. So, Irish startup founders at home and abroad are sort of the key of this podcast, trying to highlight their success stories and the challenges they've overcome. What is an Irish startup at home or abroad that really caught your eye that you're interested in? Um, there's two, so one home and one abroad. And the one at home is Bizimply. So Jerry Ford is the, mm -hmm. the founder there. It's an incredible business. We went to Israel with them. They've got a number of really, really big customers. They've raised investment. Uh, Bono's invested in them. They're doing really, really well. I think they're one to watch. I don't know what their valuation is at now, but they're um, sort of like HR management software. So okay. basically, if you're running a shop, we'll say like 
spa or something, your staff can check in or clock into work via the iPad or you can see how much money you're earning, how much they're paying and mm-hmm. you can book off days and stuff like that. It's, it's just a really, really incredible product. Um, I probably didn't do it justice there, but if you check it out, it, it's, it's incredible and I think it's definitely one of the biggest um, Irish startups there is at the moment. Yeah, and the one uh, abroad then is, is Ada. I know it was mentioned on a previous podcast, but um, James Foodie and Ian Kearns are the two lads. We met them over in uh, San Fran. They're doing a really, really good job. Like I still remember probably maybe eight months ago at this stage, like James and Ian called in. They didn't know what to do with their business. They were in our office in Cork. I was sitting down with them for an hour, and they were like, look, we don't know what to do. We could get a place on Highway 1, Liam Casey's um, accelerator over there. Uh-huh. They said, look, we'll just give it a shot, and we'll go over there. And within months, like, they had the product built, they raised investment, they're, they're doing really, really incredible work. And that's the thing about entrepreneurship. Three, three to six months before that, the lads were at a crossroads, like, I know they're really, really killing it, you know, so it's really good to see. Yeah. So two guys as well, two hardworking guys, that's important. Ada Technologies, they're out in, as you said, in an Irish-led hardware incubator, and they're, they're making some connected technology to track fertility in women. So it's a pretty interesting space. And we'll definitely have to have, have them on the show in the near future. Yeah, yeah, they're two good guys. Well, thanks very much, Richard, for taking the time to share your story and give us those nine steps to growing your audience. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And we will have Richard's contact information in the show notes. So we'll have, you know, his LinkedIn and maybe some contact email address there. So thank you very yeah. much. Thanks very much, Connor. Great, great talk to you. Looking forward to listening to it. All right, that's all we have time for today. But if you're interested in learning more about Punditarina, you'll find all the info you need in today's show notes over at irishstartupnation.com. And if you're keen to connect with Richard, remember that he'll be on a business trip to California in the coming weeks, as well as attending Dublin's Web Summit on the 4th to the 6th of November. Take care.